Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Association NBA Podcast. My name is Sam Ruthier. Joining me across the country over his morning bowl of what looked like oatmeal is my man Tommy Wood. Tommy, good morning to you, sir. Top of the morning. It was uh, yogurt and granola, actually, but still healthy and uh, delicious. How's it going, man? Pretty good. I myself am currently coffee. Lots and lots of coffee. And maybe there's a bagel and a jalapeno chicken sausage in my future. Trader Joe's, Ooh. I can never find the actual sausages. I always have to buy chicken sausage, which honestly, what's I mean, I know what the difference is, but it, the taste doesn't really matter that much. And I'm always making it with eggs and spicy jalapeno. It's a deli- delicious flavor for sausages, so it's really not that. It's not even a first world yeah. problem. It's not even a problem. That sounds fantastic. It's like my girlfriend will never, won't even touch turkey bacon, the ten foot pole. I love <laughs> that shit. Like I can't taste the difference between turkey bacon and pig bacon. I think it's just as good. I uh, that might be the hottest take ever emitted on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I need to disagree. Uh, turkey bacon is definitely different from regular bacon, but I'm glad you enjoy them both. Uh, we've got a lot of NBA first round series to, to dive in on. Uh, we're two games in on every series, and some things have gone as expected, some things have not. Um, we will start with last night's games. There was plenty of excitement. Today is, is Thursday, April 19th, by the way. And... The Cleveland Cavaliers managed to avoid falling into an 0-2 deficit by squeaking by the Indiana Pacers 100-97 to on the back of, you guessed it, LeBron, Raymond James. 46 points, uh, what, 12 rebounds and 5 assists. Um, he's been doing this for 15 years, Tommy, and he did it again. What, uh, what takeaways do you have from Cleveland tying up the series? Uh... My biggest takeaway is that it's kind of disconcerting for them that they need LeBron to play like this just to survive in the first round. Um, But it's a testament to his greatness that he can just pull a performance like this out of his bag seemingly at will, you know, scoring his team's first 16 points. And and again, it's when you see LeBron do things like this, it feels like he, he can do this anytime he wants and it's just at his discretion whether or not he wants to score every single point in a quarter, you know, go on a personal 16 nothing run. Um, he's just he's just amazing. And it, it's so cool to see him performing like this uh, at in his 15th year. I mean, just that the efficiency was absurd. Uh, I saw ESPN put out today. Uh, he has 10, 40, 10, uh, 10 and 5 games in the playoffs which are, is more than is the most in history and is more than number two and number three combined. Um, the, the other thing about this game, though, I, I thought Indiana did a really good job of kind of fighting their way back in after uh, LeBron punched them in the mouth. Um, I, I didn't expect that out of Indiana, um, especially with Victor Oladipo sitting so long for foul trouble. Um, but the way they were able to claw back in and make this a game, make this a one possession game, um, I thought I thought that was that was good. There, I mean, they're fighting a lot harder in this series than I thought they would. Um, I'm curious what you think about uh, Oladipo sitting. Um, I would have kept him in the game even with two fouls if I were Nate McMillan. Uh, what what would you have have done there? Yeah, it was ballsy for sure. Um, obviously, 
with hindsight, it, it worked out. They managed to make it a competitive game and, and had the chance to tie it up late. Um, I would have ridden him. I would have kept him in. Sounds like you would have too. He is just the centerpiece of this team, and as talented as Miles Turner is and as, as productive as Darren Collison has been in this series, um, it, it really uh, it, it took a lot of, I don't want to say luck, but just, just, just the right things happening at the right time for them to weather that period without him. Because they were in a pretty deep hole after one quarter. It was 33-18. Now, Oladipo got back in and still ended up playing a lot of minutes in that game and led the team. And basically, him and LeBron were just trading buckets for most of the game. Uh, I mean, he only ended up with 22 points. But it, it felt like when it mattered, the ball was in Oladipo's hands. He got some pretty nifty-looking, uh, uh, you know, layups. And then LeBron would go down and do LeBron stuff. But, um yeah, that was definitely an interesting move. Uh, one reason I think McMillan might be comfortable to do that is because we've had the resurgence of playoff Lance. Uh, <laughs> kind of. He did some interesting things in Game 1, and then LeBron absolutely tore him to shreds on the other end of the floor. There are numerous highlights of LeBron just eating Lance's lunch on the defensive end. And then last night, uh, I mean, he had 10 points in 24 minutes. He was plus 3, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh how curious, right? What 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 do you make of Lance Stevenson pl- playing meaningful minutes against LeBron in the playoffs in 2018? <laughs> I mean, it could only happen for Indiana, yeah. right? It, it's it, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, but Lance has been good for them all season long. I mean, he has been a valuable player. I think it's funny that this is the place you know where he seems to. I don't know what it is about about the Pacers and about Indiana, but. All his other stops uh, in his career have have been pretty bad situations for him. But whatever it is about this place, he uh, he does well here. But you know, I think we talked in our preview pod about him. You know, maybe being an option for Indy to check LeBron, and I think that's pretty clearly been proven to be a horrible option. Um, you know, he was okay at that back in you know 2013, 2014, um, but uh, not anymore. He's just he he's too he's too short and though he's stocky and he has some good strength. Um, no one is as strong as LeBron, and then he just doesn't have the uh, the quickness to keep up with him anymore. Um, I, I really think Thaddeus Young is probably their best option on LeBron going forward. Um, even though Bojan Bogdanovic did a shockingly good job in Game One, uh, I, that to me is not sustainable. Um, I'd also, you know, if we just want to think about adjustments for Indiana to make going forward uh glenn robinson only played a minute and a half in this game uh i think he's a guy who i would pl- i would give more minutes um I, w- I might just give him like all of trevor booker's minutes trevor booker played about uh, nine and a half uh in game two uh glenn robinson uh is a really good shooter he shot 40 percent on threes last year i don't know if he's that good but uh he's a good floor spacer and he does have the size and some athleticism to where he's another body. I would just throw at LeBron um, to give Thaddeus Young a break, um, you know, so I don't have to use yet Lance or, or Bojan on him. Um, you know, I would I would probably give that a shot. I think I think he has a role to play in this series. Um, what would you do if if you were Indiana or or Cleveland? Like because they again they almost lost this game and you know they started Kyle Korver today. Um, which I guess that was Tyler's bold move. Um, what, like, what, what would you do uh, like going forward, as, I guess, as either of these teams uh, to, 
adjust for the series moving back to Indy. Yeah, I mean, that that's the question because it's been a couple close games. I mean, game one you can call close, but really the Pacers kind of were wire to wire on that. Um, the Glenn Robinson thing is interesting. I wouldn't have said that, but when you think about the lineups you could put on the floor, you could put a lot of spacing around Oladipo and really give him the chance to get to the paint pretty easier. When you look at how well Collison's been shooting, Bogdanovich had a great game one, kind of didn't do as much offensively last night, but as you mentioned, he still played some great minutes for them. And then Miles Turner, even though he's not going to, I mean, he was three for four last night from, oh, that's free throw. I was like, what? No, he hit a three last (laughs) night. Um, Miles Turner is still somebody they have to keep an eye on. I mean, you could potentially have four shooters around Oladipo if you want to go super small. Um, So I would, I I would, uh, if I'm Indiana, keep doing what I'm doing, you know? They have weathered the storm. LeBron, you kind of just got to let him get his. I mean, I don't know if that was the game plan for them last night to let him get his, but he's still at that point in his career where he will, no matter who's on him, no matter how you're playing defense, he's going to score his points. He's going to get his numbers. Um, But last night, Kevin Love apparently tore a ligament in his thumb. Um, He's going to play play through it. I mean, when it happened, I thought he might have dislocated his thumb because I saw the replay of the ball. It was like a pass, I think, from Oladipo where Collison bounced off his his left thumb. Uh, It bent backwards. He immediately grabbed the thumb and went to the sidelines. Uh, Got it taped up and apparently could have gone back in the game. Um, But it wasn't his. It wasn't his shooting hand. It was his his left hand. No, and and it's the same hand that he was out because he had broken for a lot of this year. But uh, apparently, he'll be. He says he'll be good to go. Lou says he'll be good to go in game three. But that has to limit him in some way, right? He'll be less than 100%. And, yeah. Um, even if, I mean, even if it's not his shooting hand, it's still got to uh, definitely limit him as a rebounder. Um, yeah. And I bet it, it'll be harder for him, you know, if he does get a board, I bet it'll be harder for him to make, you know, those kind of uh, Kevin Love passes. long outlet passes that are his specialty too. So there's potentially a situation where you could see Miles Turner maybe play a more impactful role in the remainder of this series if Kevin Love's not at 100%, just banging on the boards with him. And also Sabonis. I mean, the biggest thing Sabonis has done in this series is flagrantly foul LeBron James. But there's another situation where Sabonis could potentially come in with uh, Kevin Love at less than 100%. And, uh, I mean, they're not playing Tristan Thompson, so it's literally going to be either Kevin Love or Larry Nance, who's been playing some okay minutes but was minus 11 last night. So, uh, really, you could exploit those matchups in the front court because the Cavs are looking pretty thin there right now. Um, Kyle Korver, I'm skeptical of. He made some boneheaded plays on defense last night, even though he did follow through with his three-point shooting as he has his entire career. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that, that Oladipo is just going to keep feasting. He's being defended by Jose Calderon, you know, Jordan Clarkson, uh George Hill plays better defense than both of those guys, but he's not spending the whole game on Oladipo. Uh, I don't know if maybe that's the move for Cleveland, try and put better defenders on Oladipo more consistently, because you could, in theory, do it if Rodney Hood's going to play up to the level that he can play, and George Hill is willing to expend the energy to defend Oladipo. Um, Do you think they would do that, or do you think they would continue just throwing bodies at him and letting him get his? I don't know. I don't know if it would make a difference, because really who they put on Oladipo. Um, well, A, because none of these guys are really spectacular defenders. I mean, you got to, uh, you know, who, who's, I was going to say who's their second best defender after LeBron, but I mean, LeBron, uh, 
who has the second best defensive potential on their team after LeBron? And, you know, maybe JR, maybe George Hill. Uh, George Hill, I think, is too small for for Oladipo. Yeah. Um, but the real reason I don't think it matters is they run so – the Pacers run so much high pick and roll with Oladipo, and the Cavaliers have no one to defend the screener. You know, they're big. Whoever is going to be, uh, you know, guarding the screener in pick and roll, it's either going to be Kevin Love, and we saw how well that worked in, in game one. Tristan Thompson has been playing. Uh, Larry Nance might be their best option there uh, if you want to go with a traditional big just because he, you know, has some modicum of quickness, but he's never been a great defensive player. Um, I I don't know. I don't really know what they do, Um, especially if love is limited. Maybe we see Ante Zizic getting some minutes, but I don't think he's your answer to defend an Oladipo, Turner, pick and roll either. Um, I think they might like. I think their move might have to be rolling with LeBron at center, uh, pretty heavily, um, or maybe Jeff Jeff Green, you know, at center too. They they've rolled with that a little bit, um, I, but I think they might have to do that. That would give them, you know, some more some more switchability, and it would at least get, you know, some someone with athleticism and, you know, some modicum of uh, defensive ability guarding, you know, both halves of of that Oladipo pick and roll. I don't know. I don't know what else they do though. I think Indiana might still have the upper hand in this series, even though they lost this game. I mean, you just look at what it took from LeBron for Cleveland to win. And although he is certainly capable of doing this, you know, for the next, however many games it takes, it it was still only a three point win. And I don't think any of his teammates are capable of of matching, uh, you know, of playing to, to the level that they have to, to, to help them win this series. I, I just don't believe in anyone else on this team besides LeBron. I definitely am, you know, worried about Cleveland's ability as well. Um, you look at these two games, there's some glaring weaknesses that Indiana has been able to exploit. I mean, you mentioned maybe Cleveland getting a big who can play some defense. I mean, it, Trista Thompson just got a DNP CD. Yeah. Uh, so did Teddy Osmond, which makes no sense to me, yeah. by the way. Both of whom, and yeah, so they, they played Kyle Korver and Jarrett Smith 31 and 35 minutes, respectively, instead of getting Osmond some minutes where at least he's going to be high intensity and he's going to defend his ass off. Uh, I I don't know. We're not in that locker room or organization. Obviously, something weird's going on with Tristan Thompson. They've lost trust and maybe even like respect in him, I don't know, over the course of this season and going back to the last playoffs. Um but they're paying that guy a lot of money, and I think he could give them some value on the court. But I could be wrong. He had a pretty shitty season. Um, they are going to have to be very good. They are not just going to roll over Indiana. Uh, we got to move on real quick. You said Cleveland in five. I said Cleveland in four. Uh, my prediction is already wrong. Uh, do you still feel like Cleveland could win this series in five games? No, not not. I didn't all. think so. <laughs> So we'll see. That they, they are yeah. now going to travel to Indiana. Um, I didn't check. I'm assuming that game's uh, Saturday because if it's like all the other series, there's been a, a travel day and then an actual day off. Um, but we'll move on to the other interesting game last night, which was Jazz Thunder. The Jazz tied the series up one to one by winning 102 to 95 in a pretty entertaining contest. Uh, God, Donovan Mitchell is amazing. I mean. All season, he's he's been doing crazy stuff, and he's been very good, and he's exceeded expectations. But last night, watching him run an NBA offense against, you know, Russell Westbrook and Paul George, 
um, and Steven Adams and just, like, get where he needed to go and get the buckets he needed. And down the stretch, like, literally he would bring the ball up and then he'd just have four teammates looking at him like, all right, go to work, Donovan. And he did, and he got them the buckets they needed, and they won the game. Uh, it blew my mind. That kid looks like a star already. He's so good. Um, yeah. And the Thunder only scored 16 points in the fourth quarter and kind of, I don't want to say choked away this game. Utah won it, but Thunder could have won this game, could have gone up 2 nothing, and it did not happen. Uh, what's your takeaway? Yeah, well, I mean, Mitchell, Mitchell was just amazing. Um, and the fact that he was able to, to do this without his three ball falling. Yeah, 0 for 7 from 3. Was, yeah, that's that, that's even better. I mean, the bag of tricks he was reaching into um, on some of those shots he was hitting in the in the fourth quarter were just ridiculous. I mean, it's a skill level and a level of, of like feel for the game that is just so abnormal for a rookie. Um, you know, that spin move floater he hit over Paul George. He hit another floater from uh, pretty much from the elbow earlier in the fourth quarter, um, you know, the, like the dunks, the, the layups, um, you know, his finishing was just unreal. Um, and you know, I, we got to shout out Derek favors too. Yeah, uh, favorite again, 20 points, 16 boards, eight offensive rebounds for Derek favors. Um, you know, I, I kind of always thought that the Jazz's best lineup and their best, indeed their best statistical lineup down the stretch of the regular season was, the starters with Jay Crowder at the four instead of Derek Favors. Um, yet uh, Favors played about twice the minutes Jay Crowder did last night, and I think that's uh, you know I don't I don't know if he's going to be able to give him this every night, but he played a phenomenal game. Um, and as far as the Thunder go, you know we talked before before the series started about how for them to win they're going to need Paul George to be amazing baller Paul George who steps up his game in the playoffs like we've seen time and time again. And he did that in game one, and the Thunder won, and he didn't in game two, and they lost. That's kind of exactly how I thought the series would go for them. It would go uh, it would go as Paul George goes. Yeah, that, uh, I mean, the whole playoff P thing, uh, it's real. They need him. We, like you said, spent a lot of time talking about how this is going to come down to Paul George for the Thunder as much as Russell Westbrook wants to be the hero and is going to have the ball in his hands the most. Uh, how Paul George can equip himself on the offensive end, how he can shut down whoever he's playing against on the defensive end. Literally just repeating what you said. Game one, he did it. Game two, he did not. Game one, they won. Game two, they did not. Uh, it's interesting. I I think this was in... Uh, this was in the Zach Lowe podcast with the, the gentleman from Yahoo, Dan Devine, Dan Devine, however you say his name. Uh, Carmelo uh, has, has been okay. Um, I mean, last night in the fourth quarter, neither Westbrook, Paul George, or Melo could come up with the shots they needed to win the game. But uh, Melo has done some useful Carmelo things, kind of like he gets the ball, uh, does a little jab step. He's hit a couple of those shots. He's gone to the rim a couple times. Uh Devine had an interesting point that maybe because people think Carmelo is so washed uh, that, like, they forget yeah. he can actually still be a useful offensive player. Like, he had the worst offensive season, I guess, of his career, you know. Um, but he's still Carmelo Anthony, like, just in a lesser form. So he's still able to get things done. And uh, they put him in the position to succeed. They, I think, moving forward, will keep an eye on who is guarding him because, you know, if, it, if, it's, if it's Joe Ingles, he can probably work with that. Uh, also, you mentioned the Favors Gobert front court. I mean, Favors Mello could potentially dribble around 
I think, you know, he maybe he doesn't have the quickness he used to have, but I think he's got that much quickness left. Um, so that's something I'm keeping an eye on. Melo did end up with uh, 17 points last night. Um, I am surprised that Alec Burks has not had much of a role in this series. I know he's kind of further down the death chart now, but they gave a lot of minutes to Exum, especially after Mitchell hurt his, his toe or whatever in Game 1. Uh, Burks had 10 points on like less than 10 minutes played in Game 1, and then he was a DNP last night. Is that just going to be a thing, you think, or could we actually see him get some minutes down the stretch uh, without an injury forcing him into that role? Yeah, I've never really quite understood why Burks hasn't been able to break into the rotation consistently uh, because he's got some, he's got a lot of athleticism. Uh, the dude can pop, and he's got uh, you know enough shooting ability too to where I think he could be really useful. I just, you know, I wonder if he's just kind of had some issues with with Quinn Snyder you know maybe not buying into the jazz is kind of everyone uh everyone eats offense um you know he is a little bit more of a one-on-one guy than I think they're comfortable with and um although Donovan Mitchell does a lot of that Donovan Mitchell also defends his ass off which Alec Burks really uh hasn't um but yeah I do think uh I do think he would be a decent option to get a look, especially because he has a lot more shooting ability than, than Dante Exum does. Um, and Dante Exum, uh, you know, you're basically getting a bigger, more athletic Rubio when you put him out there um, in terms of the way he plays, you know, without Rubio's sublime passing. So I, I think that that might be a move. Um, I, I, I don't know about Melo, man. I, you know, that he did play – they're talking about, you know, Devine and Lowe were talking about him having like a good game in game one. He was still five of 13, two of seven on threes. He's washed, man. Like he was, like he was two of nine on threes in game two. I mean, he just, he just doesn't have it anymore. I think, I think they should start Jeremy Grant at the four. Like I really do. I, you know, I, I just, I think as far as like defense and athleticism, he gives them so much more on that end than than Melo ever would. And you're not keeping Melo out there for his offense because he can't make a fucking shot. So why is he out there? I, I it, it doesn't make sense to me. And maybe that's not an adjustment you make. You make yet. Yeah, maybe you break glass in case of emergency. You know, if you go down three uh, one or three two or something like that, but. That's something I think Billy Donovan has to consider, just because Matt Mello is is <laughs> he was actually plus four last night, wow, which I don't know how he was plus four uh, with the way he shot and the way he <laughs> defends, but uh, I just I I don't know if I would keep him out there. I really don't. I uh, I savor these moments every now and then when we actually disagree on something. So thank you, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> I. I think he's got just enough left in the tank to be worthwhile to have, give Utah that much more to worry about on offense. Um, in the right lineups, they're able to hide him well enough on defense, it, which is surprising. I mean, I don't know. Corey Brewer's playing some good minutes for him. Well, go, that's even more surprising. Go figure, dude. When I, you know, when I like go to watch the highlights of these last two games, and Corey Brewer's like picture pops up with the starting lineup, I'm like, oh my god, I'm about to see Corey Brewer get his ass kicked for 48 minutes. But no, like. There's not that many times where he gets completely blown by. I mean, when he gets switched on to, like, Mitchell and stuff, like, yeah. Okay, something else I'm surprised to take this as long to talk about. I'm just completely switching gears. Ricky Rubio is looking great. 
Guy he was has, what five for nine on threes last night. Like he's he's stretching, five for eight, um, stretching the floor. Nine assists. He's getting the ball. I mean, watching these two games, seeing how well he plays with Donovan Mitchell, that's been super cool. Seeing him like lead the fast break and then go behind the back bounce pass to Mitchell for a dunk. Like Utah loves dunking the shit out of the ball. By the way, like yeah. just in like I, I watched. I don't even remember if it was the game one highlights or if it was just watching game two last night, but like. Gobert loves dunking with anger. Mitchell loves dunking with anger. Like, they don't just dunk to dunk. They dunk to, like, take it out on the rim for not showing them enough love when they were growing up. Like, they they really, uh, that's fun. And it happens a lot because Rubio is such a gifted passer. Yeah, you're right. It is, like, super violent and and exciting. Um, Yeah, Rubio and and Mitchell, I was was surprised how well they play together. you know, when Rubio has the ball his hand, in his hands, it's easy to see why it works because Mitchell is a good enough shooter um, and he is so advanced, you know, working off the ball for a guy his age and Rubio can just find anybody, anywhere. Um, I, I've been more surprised by how well it works when Rubio is off the ball and I think it's just come this year with, you know, this has been the best shooting season of his career even though it hasn't been lights out. I mean, just the fact that he has been more willing to take jump shots, uh, to take threes, to take twos off the dribble, uh, that's that's been really encouraging to see from from Rubio, even if it's still not going in at a high percentage. But just the fact that he takes those shots, um, you know, makes the defense have to think about him a little bit or pay a little bit more attention to him because, you know, even if he's uh, not going to shoot five for eight from three every game, um, you can't leave him wide open anymore. Um, so that's that's I think been in, like kind of a low key important part in his in his development and it. It works really well. Um, how, who do you feel has the upper hand when this, as this goes back to uh, to Utah? It's a great question, man. This is going to be a wild series. This is, I think, this has gone in seven. Um, I yeah, my Jazz in five prediction is not looking too great. Probably not happening, but we'll see. Um, I will say Utah. Um, they seem like they've just got. You know, I think they have the better coach. I think they've got, uh, it surprised me to say this, but like more options in terms of how they need to, how they need to win games. Um, OKC kind of comes down to, to how much of a difference Paul George can make with the Jazz. Sure, a lot rests on Donovan Mitchell, but also they kept it close in game one without Mitchell. Um, we just spent a couple minutes talking about how well Rubio's playing and, you know, Ru- Rubio and Gobert can do some serious damage. We haven't really seen that much out of Crowder yet, but, um, We've seen Jonas Jarebko have great playoff games in the past for Boston. Um, he can be, even if he's just stretching the floor for them, uh, he can be a factor. He had 10 points last night. Uh, Crowder only took three shots and had one point uh, off free throw. So they've got those guys and Exum, and we mentioned Burks. They've got a lot more coming off the bench that they can rely on. The Thunder second unit, uh, I mean, I think that's probably the biggest reason why Grant doesn't get more minutes with the starters because they need him to carry their second unit. It's him, Pat, Pat, Ray Felton, and Abrinas. Ooh, Abrinas stretched the floor pretty well in game one. Didn't quite do as much of that last night. But uh, they only played four guys off their bench. I mean, both teams did. But uh, four not terribly impressive guys. Uh, I'm going to say Utah. What do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I I really agree with a lot of what you just said, and that Utah just has more counters. And, you know, we talked about how they haven't played Alec Burks yet. Well, if they feel like they need to, they can't. You know, they have the luxury – of keeping guys like him buried on the bench uh, unless absolutely necessary. Um, 
Crowder is a guy who can get hot uh, from three and hasn't yet. Um, they just have more versatility and more styles they can play um, for whatever the Thunder throw at them. Um, I mean, what are the Thunder going to do? Like, are they going to bring Nick Collison or Josh Eustace off the bench in case of emergency? Terrence no. Ferguson. Uh, you know, I, I think Melo, you know, maybe he's too washed to even carry a second unit by himself, but I think he could be effective in that role. Um, but again, it, it's probably uh, a lot of it is probably uh, factoring into the stuff that a lot of a lot of the stuff that we have no idea about probably factors into that. And by that, I mean uh, the locker room dynamics, you know, Melo's personality, his relationship with his teammates, his relationship with Billy Donovan. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of that goes into why he has been a starter all year, despite uh, having the worst season of his career. And, you know, this would be the time to bench him if Billy Donovan is going to do it. Uh, but at the same time, it would I think it would still be a really hard move, and I don't know how well it would go over with uh, everyone else in the locker room. So that's he, Billy Donovan is in a tough position, um, but I just don't know how many cards he has left to play, man. Like, you know, maybe – Maybe you start Jeremy Grant at the two, even. Like, he's not a great shooter, but that would give you so much size and, and whatever. But, you know, Corey Brewer hasn't been playing badly. Um, you know, they just – it's not like they can throw up Brina's in the starting lineup, you know, because he, he's so bad on defense. Um, Pat Pat has been bad all year. It's just – it's rough, man. Uh, you know, and that's not even talking about, uh, you know, the big three. I mean, oh, well, I guess Mello, uh, but – if Westbrook and George show out over the, over these last few games, Thunder will have a great chance. Um, but but that's that's what it comes down to, um, and I just I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, me. Either. I mean, I said Thunder in seven, and it could certainly happen. But right now, I I'm not super confident. That's not the pick I would I would put most most of my chips on. Um, we'll keep moving, more ground to cover, but that is going to be an interesting series to keep an eye on. Uh, the other game last night we'll just touch on. The Rockets went up. You mind if I get some more coffee real quick? Oh, please, by all means. Uh, you Literally, you're going to go. I'm just going to keep talking and keep rolling. The, the Rockets went up 2 nothing on the Timberwolves. Basically, that series is over. Carl Anthony Towns has not gotten nearly enough shots. James Harden had a terrible game, and it didn't matter because they also have Chris Paul. The Warriors are up 2 nothing on the Spurs. That series is also over. Where the hell is Kawhi Leonard? Also, the Wizards are down 2-0 to Toronto. That series is also over. Toronto finally won a game one. Toronto may not have to face Cleveland. That would be really good for them. I could see Toronto beating the Pacers and waltzing to the NBA Finals against whoever wins. Probably a Boston-Philadelphia series. Um definitely got some stuff to talk about with regards to Philadelphia. I'm now going to pause it until Tommy comes back. And we're back. Um, Tommy, fresh cup of coffee. How's it treating you? Oh, so well. Glad to hear it. I, You know what? I've got something to admit. Um, we spend a lot of time talking on this podcast. We both love the NBA. We watch a lot of it. We read a lot about it. Sometimes I'll have a moment where I'm like, God, do I? I'm a fool. Uh, moments when you're just like, you know what? I 
I'm I'm a I'm an ardent fan. I really enjoy the sport. I am no expert. And that moment came when I was listening to Milwaukee Boston. I had to drive from Boston up to my hometown, New Hampshire, during game two. And they were like, Muhammad at the line for a free throw. And I was like, who the hell? Turns out Shabazz <laughs> Muhammad's on Milwaukee. He is. I had no idea. I knew that Minnesota was done with his act. I didn't realize. Did he get bought out? He did get bought out, yes. It had, how's he been doing? I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't watch a ton of him. On my, on, not my, on Milwaukee, um, but I, I was watching one of their games down the end of the regular season. I, I forget who they were playing, but uh, Muhammad came in, and it was a they were playing a weird lineup where Giannis, uh, Jabari, and Muhammad were all on the floor together, um, and <laughs> Muhammad was playing like he was the only buck on the floor. It was awesome to watch. He would. You know, he would grab a rebound, bring the ball up, and then just ignore everyone else, ignore Giannis, ignore Jabari, um, and he would just go into an ISO on the uh, on the left wing, and just he did that probably three possessions in a row where he just he was the only buck who touched the ball, and he uh, you know he like nailed a mid range jumper on one of them, he draws some free throws on on another, but. That's not quite how I would want to play if I were the Milwaukee Bucks. You mean you mean Joe Prunty hasn't coached him up? <laughs> I don't think Joe Prunty's coached anybody up. <laughs> I'll tell you what. He certainly hasn't coached this team up. That's for damn sure. God, no. Jabari was playing so badly that, again, while I was driving home, at one point, Cedric Maxwell, the play-by-play guy for the Celtics, said, uh, he looks like it's the first time he's ever played basketball. <laughs> They have I don't get what's happening with Milwaukee in this series, man. This was such a winnable series for them, just because of the fact that they have the best player on either team. The Celtics are so decimated by injuries. And Milwaukee, in theory, should have some depth and some different options when you look at Giannis and Middleton, both of whom have been playing spectacularly. Uh, Bledsoe, Parker, uh, even Brogdon. I mean, that right there is five different guys who you could look to for some scoring. Again, in theory. But in yeah, practice, I mean, that has not happened. Milwaukee is the more talented team, and it's not even close. Yeah. Well, uh, they're also the the worst performing team, and it's not even close because <laughs> Giannis and Middleton have combined for probably over a hundred points over the first two games. Um, didn't matter in game two. Giannis was minus thirteen, and Middleton was minus eighteen. Uh, it's crazy. Giannis had thirty, Middleton had twenty five. Middleton, we did not give enough credit to in the 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 preview podcast we kind of i don't want to say poo-pooed him but we didn't really talk about him being a significant factor in the series he has been uh he hit the three to set him to overtime that was ridiculous not nearly as cool as terry rozier's three when he put eric bledsoe on skates he ruined eric bledsoe so much that eric bledsoe forgot who he was yeah (laughs) he's like terry what huh i thought that guy's name was daddy um (laughs) that was an epic highlight dude rozier with the balls um I love Terry. Uh, fuck, man. I, don't, I mean, the Celtics are just outplaying the Bucks. The Bucks uh, are offensively getting done what they need to with their top two, but after that, Bledsoe has not been very good. Uh, Thon Maker isn't playing at all. I guess he's still pretty young. 
Young. At this point, you know, maybe Brogdon and Delavadova take more of Bledsoe's minutes because he's not getting it done. What What do you see here from the fact that Boston's up to nothing in a series that should have been a lot closer? Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up Thawne because he's played one minute in this entire series, and I don't fucking get it because it was just one year ago, literally exactly one year ago, when he had his breakout moment, uh, his breakout performance as – uh, a player in the first round against the Toronto Raptors, where he was awesome on defense. Um, he was completely disruptive with his uh, long arms, with his you know lateral quickness, his his switchability, um, and he was facing the floor really well. I mean, the dude can hit a corner three, uh, unlike any other um, big on this roster. I just I, I don't get it. I I I, I understand that he was. Uh, his performance this year was a little bit uh, disappointing that he didn't really develop very much, uh, or at least as much as you would have hoped. I still think, despite all of that, he's the best center on this team. I think he is still better than John Henson. He is absolutely better than Tyler Zeller. Uh, John Henson playing 37 minutes uh, in Game 2 is just baffling to me. The dude is just not that good. Like, he can't defend in space. Um... I know he, he has some okay block numbers, but he really can't protect the rim. He's, like, too slight. He's too lean. He only had six um, rebounds. And he's he's just such a negative offensively. He, like, has no he, – he doesn't have any gravity when he goes to the rim. He can't uh, create shots for others. Um, there's this clip. I think I, I, I think it was uh, Nate Duncan who posted it, but I, I don't remember if I, – I might be getting it wrong, but – where they uh, they entered the ball to Henson at the high post at the at the elbow, and Al Horford, who was guarding him, just as soon as Henson caught the ball, Horford ignored him and went over to help on uh, on Giannis and get get in the way of a passing lane. Like that's how little respect the Celtics are giving him as an offensive player, and and rightfully so. Like I just no, nothing Joe Prony is doing in this series makes sense to me. Um, you know, even though they went back, they went to Giannis' center a little bit more in, in game two than, uh, you know, they went to it earlier than they did in game one. They were doing that in lineups, like, with no Jabari. Like, I, I get that Jabari is a horrible defender, that he hasn't been playing well in this series. But if he has the spacing of that type of lineup, the dude is still can still wreck shit offensively. I think that is a lineup that would allow him to thrive. Um, I just... It, like I said, man, it's it, none of it makes sense to me. I, I, I just, I, I don't. I, it, it makes me sad watching Joe Prunty just completely waste uh, what really is a series that the Bucks should win. Well, the the reason that uh, they're not is because the Celtics are just doing what they need to do, top to bottom. Uh, I mean, Tatum didn't have a very good offensive night. He was two for nine. But he also had four steals and seven rebounds, so he still contributed. Uh, you know who else just contributed, period, was Jalen Brown, who had 30. Uh, 30 points, five rebounds, five for 12 from three. Jalen Brown was, was having a game. Terry Rozier is having a series. He had 23 points to go with eight assists. Um, I mean, they're just finding ways to get it done, and these aren't the guys who you'd expect to be putting up the numbers at the beginning of this year, but they're also the only guys who are still healthy. Uh Horford remains a centerpiece, as he always is, even if he doesn't show up in the box score. And then you look at Marcus Morris with 30 minutes off the bench, plus 19, 18 points. Uh, 
these are the guys who they need to just step up, and they are doing exactly that because they've been ready to do it all year because they played a lot of minutes all year in high-leverage situations. Even Shane Larkin played 20 minutes, uh, and it wasn't all like necessarily time with the second unit. He was playing some time with the first unit guys. Uh, the trust between all these guys to just like go in and out of different lineups. It doesn't matter if you're a starter. It doesn't matter if you're supposed to be the first, second, third option. They just get the buckets they need to. They get the stops they need to. They play smart basketball. It all kind of goes back to Brad Stevens. And uh, I don't know. They, they, they are in a position to maybe sweep this series, maybe take it in five. I wouldn't be surprised if Milwaukee wins at least one in Milwaukee. But uh, they're now in a position to cause some problems for the winner of Philadelphia-Miami as well, at least in my extremely biased opinion. Uh, what do you take of the strong showing from the Celtics the first two games moving forward in the playoffs? Yeah, they've just been playing so well uh, as a unit. It's It's been so cohesive, um, just the way they've kind of shared the uh, the playmaking duties and the scoring load. Um, Jalen Brown was just awesome in yeah. game two. Um but again, he was he was as phenomenal as he was. He was put in position to succeed. Uh, they would get him the ball like off of dribble handoffs coming up the left wing. Uh, he, so he'd al- already be moving. He'd already have a head of steam going to the rim, and he's just so fast and so athletic that uh, it, he's hard to stop. And uh, to me, his ball handling has gotten so much better at this point now than than where it was even earlier in the season. Certainly from when he was a rookie. Um, like the fact that he could get the ball coming off those dribble handoffs, and but then get himself to the rim. You know, he absolutely put John Henson on skates on one play. Um, but he was showing off some some pretty nice dribble moves, getting himself to the rim, and then you know playing his his usual defense. Um, that was really cool to see. Uh, the other thing that was interesting to me uh, was kind of Brad Stevens' counter to the Giannis at center lineups, which was going super big, putting in Greg Monroe against that lineup. And letting Monroe and Horford just beast on on the smaller guys. Yep. And they're I think they were able to do that because Milwaukee really lacks the playmakers, the the floor spacers, and just the type of dynamic players that can really make a five out lineup sing. Um, they they just don't have it. So you're able to get away with playing a, a dude like like Greg Monroe, who you know has two cement blocks on his feet, like someone who is you know down. At, at the bottom of the Charles River, but uh, you know they they made it work. What do you think about Gershon playing ten minutes in a playoff game? I think that just shows you how how comfortable the Celtics were, even though the Bucks crawled back in. Um, the Celtics like pulled away, felt over. Uh, the Bucks had a couple buckets. Uh, they they brushed off Horford and put him back in, and Morris, and we still won anyway. Uh, I said we. I don't care. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yabu, I mean, just still a work in progress. Next year's maybe going to be a make-or-break year for him because minutes are going to be hard to come by when this team's fully healthy. I'm glad he got the, the minutes, though. I don't really see him being a factor in these playoffs in any way. Um, I would. I, I thought would... he played some good defense, though. Sure. Uh, uh, the minutes he was out there. I'm like surprised. That, which that... was surprising to me. Like He always moves way better than I think he is. he's going to just from how like big that dude is. He and and the real thing is, uh, you're right. For me, like I'm just used to seeing Semi Shemi, uh, like really kick ass on defense. That guy, I mean, he's he's built like a brick, and he also moves really fluidly. Um, so when you put them side by side, Yabu's a little more like like fluffy and not quite as as 
lateral quick. Uh, but you're right. Yabu is he's bigger and could be an emergency option against some bigger guys with the second unit. Uh, probably not in these playoffs. Surprise, Shami only played one minute, but I, I mean they just didn't really need need him, and I could see them potentially needing him down the road uh, against. I mean Miami, maybe he could he could try and, and match up with with somebody like James Johnson if he was causing him troubles. I mean maybe Johnson's a little too big, but still it's an option. Uh, with that said, though, real quick, you had Boston in six. I had Boston in five. Do you feel like Milwaukee can get two wins? I don't know, man. I feel like they get one at home, but it's starting to feel it's starting to feel like two is a pretty tough task, just especially with the the way that that Prunty has totally failed to adjust to anything Boston has done. You know, for them to get two wins, that would require them to adapt and. Uh, I, they haven't shown any type of capacity to do that uh, in this series. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I, if I feel good about them getting two wins in his in, anymore. We'll see, man. I mean, I mean, uh, Giannis has been playing well, but he still might really take it to another level uh, and put him on his back, LeBron style, for a game. If he's going to do it anywhere, he's going to do it in Milwaukee. But well, well, if he's really going to put him on his back, LeBron style, he's got to like take over as the coach and really just run the whole damn show. And if that happens, watch out, Boston. But <laughs> maybe some Milwaukee in seven. There's somebody I work with who who's from Wisconsin, and he keeps being like Milwaukee in six, Milwaukee in six, and it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Where's Brandon Jennings? Up Bucks in six now. Like <laughs> it's still on the table, guys. Still on the table, man. But I mean, hey, last year the Celtics went down to Chicago 0-2, and they won that series in six games. But uh, You're right, but Chicago is also, time. like, objectively the better team. And Milwaukee is too, though. I mean, they have they have a better roster. They have better talent. They should they should be winning this. That's so frustrating. I think it's cool. <laughs> of course All right. <laughs> now on to the most surprising result of the playoffs so far. The Pelicans took both games in Portland. Um, they're up to nothing going back to New Orleans. They are, this is the three, six matchup, right? Yeah. Portland's the three yeah. seed Pelicans. I mean, they're only one win apart. So, uh, the regular seasons went not too, uh, different, but the Pelicans are without their second best player, obviously boogie. And they have been for a while and their new second best player, Drew holiday, uh, showed out in game two to the tune of 33 points, nine assists, uh, Man, he took it to another level. I've never really seen that guy play like that on both ends of the floor, really. Um, and he carried the Pelicans, some folks are saying, and I don't think they're wrong, that he might be more important to the Pelicans than Davis in this series, at least. It makes sense when you look at how Portland's strength is so significantly in their backcourt. New Orleans needs some really strong play out of their backcourt, which we talked about last week in our preview. Um, they've certainly gotten it so far. Holiday and Rondo both. We got playoff Rondo in a big way. Rondo almost had a triple-double. He's one assist shy in this game. Um, and Rondo and Holiday both have given them some excellent minutes. Uh, how surprised are you? What uh, what stands out to you in the, the 2-0 Pelicans lead so far in this series? Is it, It's all been really surprising to me. You know, I had New Orleans in seven, um, but I didn't think they I didn't think they were they would be able to come and take, you know, two to in Portland just because, um, you know, I knew Drew Holiday's defense would be massively important on 
you know, whomever of, of Portland's guards he, he was on. Um, I, ju- I just didn't think he would be playing at this. I mean, this is the best Drew Holiday has played in his career by far. Uh, you know, we knew he was capable of this defensively, but just the balls he's had on offense uh, to take some of the shots he's been taking. You know, he hit that big three late off the dribble um, uh, down in, down the stretch in game two. Um, he's been making some really good passes. He also had, he had the hockey assist on that uh, Rondo uh, corner three that really clinched game two. Um, so that was crazy, he's been, dude. <laughs> he's been outstanding. Yeah, with the Rondo, Rondo game clinching quarter three. When I saw him t- take that, uh, as the ball was in the air, I was thinking, this is either going to splash or it's going to be an air ball. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rondo three-pointers in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I've been really surprised just by the way they've uh, New Orleans has been able to hold down both Dame and CJ. I didn't think, you know, Holiday can only guard one of them at once. I didn't think he'd be able to. Uh, well, he's not doing it single-handedly. Etwan Moore has played some awesome defense. Rondo has been shockingly good on defense. Even Ian Clark has not gotten murdered. Um, so the the way all of Portland's or all of uh, New Orleans guards have been able to defend has been so key, and it helps having Anthony Davis back there to clean up all their mistakes because um, he's been awesome. You know, every time he's gotten switched on the Lillard or McCollum, he's held held it down. Um, they have just played a defensive level collectively that I didn't think they were capable of. I want to, I'm sure you had some, some shade and fraud, however you say that word with this one. Uh, Nurkic has gotten his ass kicked by all of the New Orleans front court. Um, (laughs) We talked about how him guarding Davis was probably going to happen and probably not going to end well. Well, yeah, it Davis tore him up. And then it was like, okay, well, let's put him on Miritich. Well, guess what? That's an awful matchup for him as well because Miritich stretches the floor. Obviously, he's a great three-point shooter, and then that causes even more problems when Nurkic is trying to follow him out to the three-point line, and that just is not good. Uh, so the solution for Portland uh, some of the time was Aminu, um, who's a better defender. They, they threw him all that money a few off-seasons ago because he is more capable on that end of the floor. Uh, still, I mean... Even though Aminu had a solid game two with 14 points and 15 rebounds, he was also minus 20. And also, like, that's just not going to get it done. When uh, I mean, we joked about this last week. Ed Davis and Al Farouk Aminu are all of a sudden going to be very important defensively for Portland. Well, they actually were, and now they're down 0-2. And Miritich and Davis are just having a field day out there. Um, again, they got playoff Rondo, so he's getting them the ball in awesome spots. And also, they're just able to feast on a pretty weak defensive front court for Portland. Um, what do you do with Nurkic moving forward? I mean, you have to just put him on one of those guys and get his ass kicked, right? There's no other choice. Yeah, and that's kind of what we were getting at in our in our preview. Like, they need his offense. They need his, his pick-and-roll game, and they need his offensive rebounding. But there's no one in this series that he can guard. You know, you, you said it perfectly. Miritich run, runs him through a maze of screens and gets him out of the paint, and AD just kicks his ass. Um, so I think Portland's in a really bad position. Um, it helps that they're getting Harkless back. Uh, he played well in game two. Yep. Um, hopefully they'll be able to start him going forward. Um, you know, their best lineup might be going super small with Aminu at the center because he at least has – uh, I, the speed to keep up with Davis, even though he's way undersized and 
Uh, it doesn't have the strength, and that's probably not going to work at all either. But it, they've just got to throw shit at the wall at this point. Um, yeah, maybe maybe Ed Davis uh, needs to play more. He actually did play. Ed Davis and Zach Collins both played more minutes than than Nurkic in this game. Um, I just I just don't know how much that's going to matter. And really, I, none of it is going to matter if Dame and CJ continue shooting as poorly. Um, if you know if Portland keeps defending those guys so well, those guys together are twelve of thirty four on threes uh, in this series. That's just that's just not going to cut it. And um, you know you've seen the stats about how uh, you know how Dame is taking so many fewer shots at the rim. He's only had I'm looking at it now. Dame those got Dame and CJ have attempted seven free throws in this series collectively. Um, that's and, that, and that's Dame, crazy. I, at that least two of those makes no I sense. know were uh, getting fouled on jump shots in game two. So really, he's only drawn one foul going in the hole in this entire series. Um, that's just that's not going to get it done. Uh, it's it's that simple. That just makes no sense for so many different reasons that those guys can only take seven free throws. Like <laughs> Dame Lillard alone should be near 20 free throws after two games. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy, and and Evan Turner has been a complete zero too. Um, he was zero for six in game know, two. Yeah, they've uh, New Orleans has been, just been content to let him shoot, and he has obliged. Yeah, <laughs> and that's playing exactly into their hands. So it may, you know, maybe it'll like if Portland is starting Parkless in his place, and it's him taking those threes instead of uh, Turner. A, he'll make them, and B. Uh, they won't be able to help off of Parkless the way they just completely ignore Turner. So that will open up the floor for everyone else. That, I think, is probably Portland's best hope. But then they still have the big men dilemma of none of them can guard anybody in this series. So I think if, if Portland wants to have a shot, something they should do with the second unit, it's dust off Shabazz Napier. Because um, I think he could just give a different look to New Orleans. And sure, Ian Clark is is serviceable and probably will be able to handle him but just throw a little wrench in there uh because i don't know letting evan turner run the second unit just not working um i know he starts so he's playing a lot of minutes with the starters but like going back to his boston days evan turner has been somebody who you could look to as a primary ball handler to to facilitate some offense but that's just not going to be the case for new orleans if he keeps doing what he's doing the first two games um so adjustments um new orleans needs to adjust nothing but portland as i just alluded to is going to need to make some changes uh besides what i just mentioned is there anything else you could see maybe are we looking at some myers leonard minutes maybe zach collins gets some more yeah that that wouldn't end well but like what do you do you know (laughs) yeah um yeah i think maybe yeah i think maybe you bump up zach collins minutes a little bit um just because out of all of uh Portland's bigs. He is the their most athletic big. He has the, the most mobility. Even though he's a rookie, he's really slight. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of strength. Um, I think his defensive instincts are good. Um, he also, despite that, he still fouled a ton. Um, but you know, he's just he just has kind of that that raw freakish athleticism. Maybe not not freakish, but he has enough athleticism to where. He could make some problems, and then he can ostensibly space out too. So that could give him some interesting looks on offense, um, you know. And if you've got a lineup of, of Collins with 
uh, Harkless and Minu, and then the two guards. That you know, that that, that might not be a, a bad two way lineup. Um, yeah, and I, I think Evan Turner's got to go back to the bench. That's the, that's the big thing that I think we'll see different in Game Three. Um, and hopefully Harkless is capable of playing even more than 27 minutes he got in Game Two because they they really do need his, his two way play. Yeah, that that could help a lot. Um, I would expect him to be over 30 minutes if he's able. But uh, we both said New Orleans in seven. I take it you're probably still feeling pretty good about that one. Yeah, I am, and I still I still think this is a series that could go seven just because I I don't as well as Holiday and Rondo and Etwan Moore have defended. Um, a I don't know. I I think Holiday's defense is sustainable. I don't know if his hot shooting is. Um, but also, I just it's so hard for me to imagine Dame and CJ going down like this. Uh, I think they're due for a big time. I think they're both due for big time games, and I think they could just easy, just as easily as you know New Orleans has won these two games. I think Portland could easily take the next two in New Orleans um, if Dame or CJ get hot. And I still think this is a series that can go seven. More than any other backcourt in the league. Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are the kind of guys who want, want to go down shooting. So there's going to be a lot of shots taken by those guys in Game 3. I predict that they will surpass their free throw totals from the first two games. Uh, they'll each take at least 10, uh, and I bet they win Game 3. Um, after that, who knows? But I think Game 3, they're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at New Orleans, and it'll come out with a W because uh, Terry Stott's a pretty good coach, and They've got yeah. a lot of talent there. Um, okay, last series for us to, to hit is another 1-1 series. It's the 3-6 in the East, Philadelphia and Miami. Uh, Philly pretty much blew out Miami in Game 1. That was pretty fun. Uh, game 2, uh, I think subconsciously we saved this one for last because we're both probably feeling a little embarrassed about this. Dwayne Wade uh, <laughs> threw, threw us in the time machine. <laughs> Put up 28 points on some completely Dwayne Wade-esque shots um, and won the game for Miami, 113-103. Uh, we spent a good amount of oxygen just shitting on Dwayne Wade last week, and uh, he made us eat those words because he was the difference for Miami. And uh, did it coming off the bench in 26 minutes, and now the Sixers have an issue on their hands if Wade can do it again and their second unit's going to have to survive Dwayne Wade onslaughts. Uh I don't know, man. What, what, where do you want to go with this one? What, what, what say you? Do you really think Dwayne Wade can do this again, though? Yeah, I do. Yeah, you yeah. do. I don't know, man. I guess I felt the same way when he did it once against Charlotte, you know, two years ago. Yeah. You know, in in that what was it like game six where he made his first three since like December? <laughs> yes. Oh my like, god, oh, I forgot oh, about no, that. There's no way he makes another one, and then he made like five more. Yeah. And and Miami won, but. Now, again, that was two years ago. Wade is even more washed now than he was then. I I really don't see it, man. Like, if you need a 28-point performance off the bench from Dwayne Wade, and he was awesome, 28 points in 25 minutes, fantastic. Good for you, Dwayne. Like, I'm glad you're back home in Miami. But, again, the shots he was making were not sustainable. Those, like, he could just have easily – just as easily have gone five for 16 with the shots he was taking instead of 11 for 16. Um, those are not the type of shots that I, a, I think you can make over the course of a series and B that you want 
him taking at such a high volume over the course of a series. They're just they're not in the flow of the offense. Uh, you know, they're bad. They really are bad shots if you're just judging by by process. So that's not. I would not rely on that if I was Miami. Um, I still think they're in kind of a bit of trouble just because Joel Embiid hasn't played, and I think the second. I think whenever he comes back into the series, Miami does not win another game. Do you think that happens? Uh, what do they play tomorrow? Do you think he comes back for uh, game I three? That, I thought that was tonight. It's maybe, tonight. Maybe You're right. Not. You're right. They already Is had their travel day. Um, um, yep, they're at 7 p.m. Uh, I mean, as his Instagram told us, he wants to come back. Um, do we? Yeah. Even have... Okay. That that is tonight. I don't know if he plays tonight. Um, I hope he does. Yeah. But um, yeah, whenever it is, that's when things are going to go into tubes for Miami. Um, I don't know. What 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 do you think? Like how you know, other than Dwayne Wade just going crazy for the rest of the series, what what is their path to victory? Um. I mean, I think that Dwayne Wade needs to be involved with the second unit. I think they need to keep getting good minutes out of James Johnson. I mean, he was 7 for 7 uh, in Game 2 and gave him just some good minutes all around. Uh, also had 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Kelly Linick had 6 assists, which is cool. I think, uh, you know, guys like that keep contributing. I mean, Whiteside only played 15 minutes, and that also, that's going to change when Embiid comes back. Whiteside's going to have to stand in front of Embiid and get embarrassed. Uh, so they'll need to survive that, figure out a way to to continue to be productive offensively. That's really, uh, I think, where maybe Embiid's going to matter more. He's going to make things a lot harder for Miami uh, when Miami's on offense. Uh, you know, maybe Dwayne Wade doesn't get all those shots off when Joel Embiid is, is looming in the paint with his Batman mask on. So, uh, you know... These, this is a young Sixers team who got really excited and had a great game one, and then guess what? There's a lot of veterans and a lot of things that Miami could throw at them, and they threw a lot at them in game two and tied the series up, but I still feel like this is Philly's series to lose. Uh, I think you're on the right track that Embiid probably just ends it for Miami. Uh, we'll see what it's like tonight, though. Uh, I mean, we just spent a lot of time talking about Miami, but over on the Philly end of things, um, they've gotten some good basketball out of Ben Simmons. J.J. Redick had a great game one, and then game two kind of fell down to earth a little bit. Uh, the bench, though, like, they really haven't capitalized on some folks that could see more minutes. McConnell played six minutes, and Fultz played five in game two. I mean, both those guys could play double-digit minutes if need be. Um, Rashawn Holmes played three minutes. I mean, they just don't, just don't really need him. Uh, Bellinelli has been pretty good in both games. Um, so... That's a lot of, of different options for Philly. We talked about how versatile Miami could be, but Philly's also got a lot of different guys who so far have proved that they can uh, shoulder some of the load. And that's before you even talk about just just how Simmons can completely take over games and almost had a triple-double in game two. Um, so I don't know. I think Philly definitely still has this one. What, what about you? I just talked a lot. Yeah, I agree. Especially like talking about Philly, like Covington, Saric, Redick, and Bellinelli all went cold as hell from deep yep. in game two. And that's not going to happen. They're like, they're not all going to shoot that poorly um, in the same game going forward. And yeah, I think Fultz absolutely needs to play more minutes. Um, I don't like Amir Johnson getting 22 minutes, um, especially because, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't really know what he's out there for. Um, you know, you don't need him to guard Whiteside. 
I don't think he's the best option for Olenek or or James Johnson either. Um, I would love to see Rashawn Holmes get some of those, and I would love to see Markel Fultz play some more too. Um, yeah, Ben Simmons has been awesome, even though I thought Justice Winslow did a really good job guarding him for uh, at times in Game 2. Uh, you know, Simmons still had 24 points, uh, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, but I thought Winslow did a really good job of just making it a little more difficult for him. Um, instead of, like, playing off of him all the time, Winslow was really getting up in his shit. And, uh, you know, there was that one play in the second quarter where uh, Winslow stuck with him on the pick and roll, was really up in his face, you know, then drew a charge and called him a bitch ass when he was lying on the floor. Um, so that was that was great. I, I'm a big Justice Winslow. You know, I was listening back to some of the old episodes we did uh, in college a while back, and uh, Justice Winslow's rookie year, I said he was – uh, gonna be a. I said he was the next Jimmy Butler. Um, he is definitely not. I was wrong about that, <laughs> but I still, uh, I still like Justice Winslow a lot, and he is an awesome, kick-ass defender. Um, you know, from the Heat side where they can improve, uh, Wayne Ellington was only three of eight on threes in game, uh, in game two. That's not bad, but uh, he's a guy who can get really, really hot, really fast. Um, you know. I think Kelly Olenek is another guy who obviously can get hot and, and win you a playoff game. Uh, he's done that before. Oh, yeah. Uh, the GOAT. But I wonder I wonder how they are going to counter Embiid whenever it is he returns because Whiteside has had an atrocious series, and Joel Embiid has kicked Whiteside's ass before. They have some beef, and it, that's a really bad – even though Whiteside – you know, is just kind of big and he's there. I think it's a bad matchup for him, A, because Joel Embiid is so much better, and B, because uh, Joel Embiid hates Whiteside. And he, not, he, doesn't, he doesn't hate him, but he wants to kick his ass anyway, and he's going to be so fired up returning after this injury that it's just going to – he's going to eat Whiteside's lunch. Um, so I would almost think about rolling with Bam as my that. primary defender for Embiid. Um, instead of Whiteside, just because Bam is more energetic defender, he tries harder, uh, he's more athletic, uh, he's thicker, even though he's not as tall, and if you ever get in a switch situation, Bam is by far a better switch defender than Whiteside is. It, it needs to be Bam when you really look at the roster, you look at how Whiteside <laughs> just has not performed how Miami needs him to. Uh, James Johnson's too small, he's 6'8". Kelly Olenek is not a <laughs> defender who would ever dream of defending Joel Embiid more than one possession on accident in a switch when he's desperately calling for help. So it's got to be Bam. Uh, he's got to take the beating. He's probably going to play a lot more than 10 minutes once Embiid comes back. Uh, you know, maybe Spo goes with something else, lets Whiteside get his ass kicked and just lets it be in hopes that he at least cleans up the glass decently. Um, it's not really that awful of a move if, Spolster doesn't feel like Adebayo is in a position, but I think you're right. He's more uh, switchy and capable in different situations on defense. And, I, yeah, I just don't like Hassan Whiteside. I'm glad he got paid. I'm glad he made it through the D-League or whatever, but he's... He, he's not fun to watch. No. He, he's kind of like... Especially when they just dump tight. it to him in the post and he fucking bricks something off the side of the backboard. 
Yeah. That's the other thing about Bam is he stays in his lane on offense. He doesn't demand those like bullshit post ups that that Whiteside does that just go nowhere. Yeah. And like when you enter Hassan, enter it to Whiteside in the post, you're like basically turning it over. Um, yeah, Bam Bam doesn't do that. I'm I'm with you on Whiteside. Um, maybe Spo leaves him out there. He's like, all right, Hassan, you want it? You think you're the best center on this team? Go prove it. Go you get know? the best center in the league. Yeah, this side of Anthony Davis, that is. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I, I think kind of, like, like I think we've kind of been going to this point. This is, this is still Philly's series. Even even if Embiid were not to play in this series, I would still favor them. It'd be a little harder. It could potentially go seven. Uh, if Embiid doesn't play, you said Philly in six. That's, that's probably... Uh, what we're looking at, if Embiid does play tonight or the next game, uh, I said Philly in five, and I'd stick with that. Uh, but we'll have some entertaining games regardless. Um, and yeah. again, just to, to touch uh, on the rest of the series real quick before we, we move on, like I said while you are getting coffee, I mean, Houston, Minnesota is over. Golden State, San Antonio is over. Uh, we overestimated San Antonio. You said Golden State in six. I said Golden State in five. It's not happening. Kawhi's not even in the stadium. Uh, Toronto, Washington is over. Toronto's up 2-0. Uh, John Wall looks like a mess. Uh, I don't know. Washington just needs to go think about what they've done, spend a long yeah. season in the corner. Did you see Wall and, and Gortat yell, arguing on the bench yeah. in game two and Beal just covering <laughs> his face with a towel? Yeah. That sums up their season, man. Yeah. Um, in one image. They, I don't know what Washington's going to do, but that, that – lineup that roster uh it's got some interesting pieces auto Beal's great wall can be great uh, th- they got to make some changes man that 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 roster's not going to get them where they want to go unless this is where they want to go unless they just want to be a middling seed uh maybe man maybe like we both had ernie grunfeld in the bottom of our gm <laughs> power rankings like yeah. maybe this is where he wants to go the frustrating thing for me like beyond everything else that has been frustrating about this Washington season is just that like all the good process that helped them get to game seven to like, you know, minutes away from making the conference finals last year is not there. They were just taking so many long twos off the dribble uh, in game two. It looked like that's what they were running their offense for too. They would, you know, have like Ubre and Beal and Porter come off these dribble handoffs and dribble themselves into a pull-up long two. And that's what like why are they playing to take that type of shot when you have uh guys like, you know, again, like Porter and, and, and Beal who are such deadly outside shooters, you know, I want them putting up like eight threes a game at least in this series. And they're just like it, everything about them is a mess. And it's it's frustrating, but at the same time, it is. It's also kind of refreshing to see Toronto just beat the living shit out of them. It's cool to see Toronto find their playoff mojo. Uh, they needed a team that was just did not have their shit together, uh, and they got one. And, yeah. Uh, hopefully, they can carry that confidence into round two, and really, uh, it'd be awesome to see Toronto in the finals. Cleveland is in a weakened state where. It really seems like it's it's possible and perhaps even likely that that's what happens, and uh, I hope so. It's kind of a fitting next step for the 2010s version of the 90s Utah Jazz. So uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But uh, we gotta we gotta wrap it up and head out. Any last thoughts, T Bone, before we before we bid adieu this week of NBA playoff basketball? 
No, I think I think we uh, we pretty much covered it. I'm just, uh, dude, I'm just excited to see the rest of this. Uh, you know, those three ones we really harped on: Portland, New Orleans, uh, Philly, Miami, and uh, Utah, OKC. Like those are just going to be so much fun, and I hope they all go seven. I wish just from an entertainment perspective. I wish Utah OKC could like go fourteen. Like I would watch that series <laughs> for a long time. I really enjoyed watching that game last night. Um, but we'll we'll see where it goes. I'm sure there's more surprises ahead for us in a week from now. We'll uh, we'll figure it all out again. But for now, uh, thanks everybody for listening. As always, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm is where you can find us. Give us a listen. Give us a rating. I guess I don't think we've ever gotten one of those. Uh, thanks to my guys in the Woolly Mammoths for the the, the intro music. Blah. And thanks, NBA, for not sucking. We will be back next week. In the meantime, uh, Tommy, you excited for the new Avengers movie? Meh. Yeah. Meh. Yeah, I feel like this one might suck. It's not really getting hyped up that much. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of over superhero movies at this point. You're at least like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Black Panther was the exception because it was so fucking awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I haven't uh, until Black Panther. I hadn't watched the past like eighteen that had come out because oh. they're just kind of meh. They're just there. Civil War was worth watching, but it was only worth watching once. I've tried to rewatch it a couple times, and it there. Yeah, you just know what's going to happen, it's so long. there's no point. It's very long. It's really long. I'm surprised how long they can make these movies. Civil War does have a great action scene where they all fight each other. Um, then there's a pretty brutal scene where Iron Man and Captain America almost kill each other. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. I bet Captain America dies in the new one. But it doesn't even come out till a week from tomorrow, so we'll be able to, yeah, whatever. Uh, for now, this is Sam Ruth here. That's Tommy Wood. We're going to come back next week and talk about more basketball. So, uh, goodbye, everyone.